0: Knew that <laughs> That, of course, is the theme song for CSI, one of them, one of them. There are a plethora of CSIs out there, and since that is the theme for our message, our teaching today, I just kind of wanted to go there with you a little bit. Today we are not CSI Miami or CSI New York, we are CSI Spirit Realm.) Yeah. So what I want to do today is um, make all of you very uncomfortable and um, talk about some things that maybe we don't talk about sometimes just because I believe that according to God's Word, we are not supposed to be ignorant of the schemes of the enemy. And Pastor Ronnie shared a couple weeks ago, he said, I believe one of the... Um, one of, Satan's greatest tools was to convince mankind that he didn't, or try and convince mankind that he doesn't exist. And I would add to that the second uh, most useful tool that he has is to make uh, his name disappear from sermons, that nobody would talk about him anymore in fear that we might give him glory in some way. But what we have done in erasing him from the pulpits in America is... To not equip the people with the tools they need to understand what the enemy is trying to do in their life and to begin to try and recognize his fingerprints in their lives. And so that's what I want to do today. Maybe some of you might be uncomfortable with me teaching about the enemy, but that's just the devil. <laughs> so we're going to talk today about how to identify the enemy in areas of our life because, let me tell you something, he can't touch something. One of the wonderful things that God gave each and every person on the planet are identifiers. There are no two identical sets of fingerprints on the planet. Even with identical twins, there are, there is no such thing. There is something that makes it so that if this person touches anything, you can identify them by the prints on their hand. And there are markers on each finger that help to identify points or places or characteristics on each print that would allow you to identify who that person was. And I would just want, pose to you and present to you that anytime the enemy touches an area of your life, anytime he does that, he leaves fingerprints. And we're going to talk about those today, but first we're going to get into the word. Can you stand and join me? Okay, we didn't really mean to have that beginning, but that's what I sent them, so (laughs) let's start with. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Okay, and the next thing. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Father, I thank you for discernment today, God. I thank you that it is a gift of the Spirit that you have given to those that belong to you. And Father, I ask, Lord, for discernment in this place this morning. I pray, Father, you awaken our hearts, Father, to be taught of you today. And God, when we leave here today, I pray, God, that there would be a new awareness, Father, a new keenness in the spirit realm that we would no longer be sleepers, God, that we would be wide awake, Father, trained and able to discern what is good and what is evil. Release your Holy Spirit today in this place because without it, we can do nothing. So, Father, let my stuff fall and your stand. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Um, elders, on that, this, can you, elders, can you stand up just for one second because I need you to agree with me on something. Okay, just for a second. If you would agree with me in prayer. Um, Father, we are asking... You to release your Holy Spirit, Father, in right authority today, God. I pray for deliverance in this house today, God, from anything, any grip the enemy might have gained, Father, in any of these lives, Father. We come into agreement, Father, and we ask for deliverance, Father, from those things. Freedom to come in the name of Jesus. Full freedom, Father. Some have been in partial freedom, Father. Today we claim full freedom, Father, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Um, so many things. The Word tells us up there that we can have our senses trained. One version says that our senses can be trained by practice to discern what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong. And that is my prayer today that we could begin to... It might be in retrospect, just like you know, they would come on a crime scene and they would see these things and they they start to to break it apart. You might have had a crime scene in your past. You might have had a place in your life where devastation came. You might have had something where you felt like everything was destroyed. And I'm going to try and teach you today through the Spirit how to tell where it started, how to stop it, and what the progression is going to be if you don't stop it. And see, I can't do it like Pastor Ronnie does it. Pastor Ronnie is wonderfully articulate, and he is orderly, and he makes sense, and everything, you know, is sequential, and it, and it works. And me, I'm just like, I oh, don't know, it's just a feeling I get. You know, and, you know, or it's something that, it says that we can't find some of these things in the flesh. They are spiritually discerned. And my prayer is that we would begin to function in a place of spiritual discernment that would stop the enemy in our lives. And I know that some people don't like to talk about him, but we're going to talk about him because I want to pull the covers back. I want him to stop being able to hide in your life and pretend that he's something that he isn't so that you can get free. So we're going to talk about that this morning. What we want is anacrino. It is a discernment. That's number two. We want a discernment. And what this literally means is to be able to take a mess, take a crime scene, take whatever it is you're facing, this circumstance, the situation, and begin to dissect it, to sift it until you arrive at the center To be able to sift through a situation, and sometimes that's hard to do because there's a lot of opinions, a lot of attitude, a lot of stuff going on. Somebody's right, somebody's wrong, and you've got a lot of stuff going on. But to be able to sift through it and then judge it based on the evidence that you find. To judge based on the evidence that you find and go, ah, I know what that is. That's what that was. So to begin to do that, to be able to take take it apart, take it apart, And the thing that started me on this journey, actually, in trying to, you know, it's interesting, it's not so much that I'm teaching you to test the spirits. I want you to identify their work. (laughs) You know, unfortunately, when you test the spirits, they often test you back. And uh, I've kind of had that week this week, you know, and sometimes when and and I'll just warn y'all ahead of time. Sometimes when you start talking about the enemy, he's going to come in and try and attack. And so I'll just I'll just let you know up front so you can recognize his breath when it enters the room. You know. So when you receive teaching on that, you may be tested in it. So take good notes. Um, but what started me on this journey, this CSI journey, was the most unusual thing when I uh, I just began to to search some scriptures and. And the Lord took me to James 3.16. Follow pragma. What's interesting to me is John 3.16 lays out to me the mission of Christ in the earth. What he came to do. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's his mission. On the opposite extreme, I feel like James 3.16 it so, it so clearly depicts the work of the enemy in the earth. It says, For where there is envy that leads to strife, there will be confusion and every evil work. And that was his mission. His mission is to come and to birth these things in the hearts of men that allow every evil work to be released. So this follows pragma. It, interestingly enough, when I begin to search it out, it says, when it says um, there is confusion in every evil work, every evil work is translated follows pragma. And follows pragma literally means wherever you see this, wherever you see strife and envy and confusion, you're going to see this, and it means wicked forensics. I have never seen that word in the Strong's Concordance. But there it was. It means there will be wicked evidence all around. And I'm not talking about the good wicked, not the wicked awesome. I'm talking about wicked, evil, forensics. This tells me that where you see this, you're going to have the fingerprints of the enemy all over it. Okay? And so we're going to talk about the fingerprints of the enemy today. And hopefully it will help you to recognize when he's on the scene and to stop it, before it goes any further, the very first one I want to talk to you about is uh, fingerprint one, and it is strife. Because, see, it, I started to use the word envy, but the, the and that is there in that particular scripture it is envy that leads to strife. So strife was the goal, and so I took strife as the first fingerprint. And interesting, it's interesting to me that... I'll call this one the thumb. This one is the thumb because this is the place where opposition enters. See, we got opposable thumbs, makes us special. Without these, we don't have a very good grip. But the thumb, when the thumb comes in, it is the beginning, and it is the greatest identifier as well. It's the greatest identifier, the thumbprint. When you see this come in, when you see strife come in, it's going to be characterized by several things, but the most important that I want you to see is that when strife is trying to enter, enter you're going to have opposition, jealousy, and confusion. Opposition, jealousy, and confusion. I don't know if you have felt opposed this week. I don't know if you've gotten jealous anywhere this week or if you've walked in confusion this week. But if you have... There's a thumb. There's a thumb. The enemy tries to bring these things in, to bring opposition, to cause strife to come in. And it is such a gateway. It is such a gateway. To me, I hate strife. I hate it. I've always hated it. I've always despised it. And if you're spiritually aware at all, spiritually awake at all, you feel it when it comes in a room because it is a literal spirit. It is spirit of strife. And you feel it. And my mo in that situation is to to leave. It just is. It's like I want no part of it. When there is strife, I want to run. Not because I'm afraid. I'm not afraid. I just don't want to be there. I don't want to be where it is. I just don't. It it just is this heavy feeling. It's just. You can, and you can feel the tension coming into it, and there's rivalry, and there's strife, and you want something that you, you shouldn't want, and it's just a bad feeling. Strife. Don't you hate it when it comes in your house? Because right behind it comes anger, confusion. The things, lines start to get blurry. That's because where there's confusion, it, where there's confusion, every evil work exists. It's like if the door gets kicked open and all these little minions come in. You gotta deal with strife. You gotta deal with it. You can't run from it. You can't pretend it doesn't exist. You gotta deal with strife. Because if you will deal with strife you'll never get the second fingerprint. And the only way that I know to deal with strife, you gotta find contentment. Because there's something based in strife that has so much envy in it, so much rivalry. You want what you shouldn't want. You can't have it. Somebody else has it. You know, it's like you're just discontent. That the, the root, the base of strife is you're not happy with what you have. You want to do something, say something, be something that you're not. You're not content with what the Father has given you, and it bursts this stuff in you. And in order to come out of it, you got to go back into contentment. And in gratitude, go, God, I'm so grateful for what you've given me for my position, Father, in life. I'm a mom. God, I thank you for my kids. I thank you for my home. God, I thank you for every gift that I have, every anointing you've poured on my life, every blessing. Thank you for the good times and the bad times. And bring yourself back to center. Quit wanting what they have. Quit getting crossways with people and change. The second fingerprint, if you don't deal with strife, it will lead to rebellion. That is your second fingerprint. And guys, some of you are probably sitting there going, oh, I see that in their life. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring it home. Let's bring it home. Let's be that transparent with ourselves because I want the enemy's hand off of your life. Rebellion. Rebellion. First Samuel, 15:23 says, "For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Not many of us would dabble in witchcraft, but many of us have master's degrees in rebellion. But see, the interesting thing about it is that as a culture, we have embraced it and called it individualism. We call it living on the edge. Frank Sinatra, Elvis, and Burger King will let us have it our way. (laughs) And we embrace it as a culture. You know, we're different. We march to the beat of a different drum. Well, let me tell you something. God's people are the most unique people on the planet. You don't have to strive to attain what they have. God has already given it to you. And when you rebel against God's plan for your life and you rebel against those things that God has established for you, you are rebelling against your own good. You are turning against what God has for you. It is marked by pride and bitterness. You are not going to tell me what to do. I don't know who you think you are. I got a brain. Ha! <laughs> anyway (laughs) pride you're not going to tell me what to do and bitterness and we get mad when they try and tell us what to do because we have already set our will up against his will we have already decided in our hearts see rebellion isn't something that's birthed on the outside rebellion is in here It's when we start to resent and we start to get angry and we start to go, yeah, I know God said, but, but, but. The markers of rebellion, if you want to know a, a strong marker of rebellion, rebellion cannot be silent or alone. Rebellion wants to talk about it. Well, I just don't think what they did was right. Oh, I do not believe that. You are wrong this rebellion it wants to talk about it and it wants to talk about it with the purpose of bringing others into the circle i'm going down and i'm taking you with me there you know guys you hear all the time you know well, there's going to be a party in hell no there's not you're going to wish when you begin to rebel and you want to tell other people everything that's going wrong and take them with you into your that rebellion put the brakes on strife which leads to rebellion and rebellion if you want to get (laughs) people just love this word the answer to rebellion is submission submission to the will of God submission to the will of God did you know that he hasn't planned anything to harm you do you know that he has plans to prosper and not to harm you to give you hope and a future that is his will for you And we set ourselves against Him. And if we don't submit our will and bring it down in repentance, God, forgive me. You know, the thing that's interesting to me is there are all these things that we would set as great sins if we were to rate sins from zero to ten, you know, murder or child abuse or this or horrible things that happen in the planet. But the Scripture tells us that there are seven things that God hates and one of them is a haughty look. We call it self confidence. God calls it, I'm, not, I'm a little too good at that. God calls it a haughty look. And it's something that goes, I know more than you do, even to God. And if we don't stop it there, that's the beginning. He's got a small hold going on here. And if we don't stop the rebellion, it will lead us to the third fingerprint, and that is compromise. Compromise of what we know to be right. And this compromise is marked by inner arguments. Inner arguments and carnal reasoning. To me, the compromiser is the one that starts to listen to other voices. Think about it. Did God really say? Think about it. You know what the answer is. You know what's right to do. You know what's good to do, but you start to argue with yourself and go, oh, it's not really that bad. Well, they do it and they seem like they've got a pretty good relationship with God. You don't know. That could all just be smoke and mirrors. I don't know. Well, everybody else goes to see it. Everybody else listens to it. You know, it's, and you start, when you find yourself arguing with God, trying to convince him it's okay for you to do it, stop. You're not going to win. He's smarter than us. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) But when you find yourself trying to justify it, I mean, come on. And, When you begin to let the rest of the world be your standard for why it's okay? Really? Really? They do it on Jersey Shore. It must be okay. We are such a nation of voyeurs. We don't watch silly sitcoms anymore. We want to get in everybody else's business. We like to watch their car wrecks. We like to watch them go through this stuff. Because if we can do that, then somehow what we're doing doesn't seem so bad. And we can reconcile ourselves to their standards instead of God's. And we live a life of compromise. And we never reach the potential in Christ that we were supposed to reach because the water is muddy. Ooh, look at the time. <laughs> Jesus, help me. Internal arguments. And the answer to this one is so simple, guys. It's so simple, it's hard. But when you want to compromise, obey. Obedience is the answer to this. You just, you might not want to do it. It might not sound like fun to do it. But if you know the right thing to do in that situation is to shut up, then shut up. I mean, seriously, if the Holy Spirit goes, don't say it, don't say it, (laughs) because we're so into grace, oh, God will forgive me for that eventually. Just don't do it. Nike was wrong. (laughs) Don't do it. Don't do it. Just stop. Obey what the Spirit of God on the inside of you says to do and you will stop the enemy right there. But if you don't, if you compromise... And you go and do those things you swore you would never do, go those places you swore you would never go, be a part of those things that you decided you would never be a part of. You enter into this place of compromise, this place of brokenness, and it leads you right into the fourth fingerprint, and that one inevitably will be shame. Man, shame stinks. To me, this is the the greatest identifier of the enemy in your life. To me, this has more of his handprint in it than anything else because it is a result that he brings. And the thing about this kind of shame, it is a shame that does not have... It has worldly sorrow and no repentance. See, there are two kinds of sorrow. There's a worldly sorrow, according to Scripture, that leads to death, And then there is a godly sorrow which brings repentance. You can be so deeply sorry. I am so sorry. I am grieved. I cannot believe I did that. Full of self recriminations and loathing. You can go there and never be repentant. But see, we don't teach that a whole lot anymore in the church. Repentance requires that you do this. It requires that you turn and you go in the opposite direction. And you know what our tendency is? We have a tendency to go. We don't turn away all the way, just kind of, because next Thursday we've been invited to a party and there's the potential (laughs) for that same thing to happen again because we haven't repented. See, our hearts have got to turn away from that stuff. Our hearts have got to turn fully away from that shame. Jesus. See, I think there are three types of shame. I think there's the kind that other people have heaped on you. I think there's the kind that people have done to you over your lifetime that have applied shame to your life that you now walk in, that you can't get past. I also think there's a particular kind of shame that we inflict on ourselves by doing things that are against God's will, by bringing our bodies and our situations into places that we never had any business being, but we wanted it, so God let us have it in our rebellion, in our compromise. So there's that shame that we attach to ourselves. God, I can't believe... This is the morning after shame. I can't believe I did that again, God. I swore I wouldn't do that again. I'm so ashamed. I'm such an idiot. I'm so embarrassed, God, by this. But there's no turning away. And without the turning away, there isn't repentance. Okay? The answer for this and the third kind of shame is what you have done to others. You have done some things to other people and I wasn't looking at anybody when I said that. You have done things to others in your life that you're ashamed of today. You've maybe said things or done things or or been in situations that you had no business being in and you're ashamed of that. Those are three areas where the enemy, I mean, he is covering his ground here with this whole shame issue. The only thing I know in this to refute it, to stop it at this point, is to forgive those that hurt you, to forgive yourself, and to ask them, to forgive you that you wounded. Ask God to forgive you, to bring restoration into your life because if you do not deal with shame, shame will deal with you. And the next progression of shame is so apparent in the lives of so many because what happens is when you enter into a place of shame, your MO, your response without God in it, is to isolate it's to run away its separation is the fifth fingerprint separation i can't go back too many people know what i did i can't i can't go ask for forgiveness for that again god i can't i'm and so you hide you don't come to church anymore you skip a few more you do the polar opposite of what you need to do see this Um, this separation, there's hopelessness in it. There's despair in it. There is depression in it. And we walk around and we're depressed and we're afraid to approach God because we have this sin issue. Well, that's what He's there for. That's what He's there for. That's what the blood was for, was so that we can access Him in our sin. I don't know about you, but the first time I accessed Him, I was in my sin. So in these situations, don't run from him, run to him. Run to him. When you start to feel shame and you want to hide from your friends and you want to do this, run to him. And man, the enemy hates that. And see, I told you in the beginning, well, maybe I didn't tell you, the enemy doesn't have any new tricks. It's not like he just came up with these. And now he's working on a new act, you know, for September and. These are initial fingerprints. These are the original fingerprints that I see of the enemy in the Word. These are the original. If you could take a hand width and you could have it span from heaven into the earthly realm and your thumb wrist in heaven, that span, I want to just kind of show you. This is the, the, the original fingerprints that we see in the enemy. The very first one was that he was envious and it led to strife. He was jealous. He was a rival of God. He wanted what God had. He wanted to be put in that place that God was in. And that envy, that jealousy, that rivalry birthed in him rebellion. And when it birthed rebellion in him, the thing that he did was that he began to gather those to him who would believe what he said because he didn't want to be silent or alone alone. So, when he was cast from heaven, he wasn't cast alone. He was sent with those that he had gathered to himself. And when he stepped into the earthly realm, he continued his work. In the very first part, when we see when he's talking to Eve, when I said they listened to other voices, he began to say, Oh, God, did God really say? And Eve stepped into compromise, and she joined that band for just a moment because he convinced her that it was okay to want what she shouldn't want, desire what she had no business desiring, and have what she wasn't supposed to have. So she compromised. And the next fingerprint we see is that at one point they were naked and unashamed, and after the compromise came, they were afraid and ashamed. They were ashamed. They saw their nakedness, and what did they do? They hid. They hid from what? They hid from the place of fellowship with God. They moved out of that place where they walked with Him in the coolness of the day. And what did that accomplish? The shame accomplished separation. Strife, rebellion, compromise, shame, and separation. And in that, the grip is complete. That's what the enemy does. When you see these things in your life, understand that this is the enemy's been there, done that. Been there, done that. I need a band up here if I could get one. And I need those of you who know how to intercede to just begin to do that. Because you see, this hand that I just talked to you about, this hand, I wish... There was some way, you know, one of those magic mirrors that they have when the lights go down, when they put that solution on and the lights go down and you can see the handprints and you can see blood or you can see this and everything is illuminated. I wish we could see that in our lives. I wish just for a moment in the spirit that we could just stop and look where the enemy has tried to get a grip on us, perhaps has had a partial grip for a while, and his fingerprints, these wicked forensics, have been in our life. Because of this hand. From the beginning, his his fingerprints have not changed. This is what he does. This hand. But let me tell you something. There is another hand. And this hand is marked by a spike. This hand has a nail print that was placed in it on a hill over 2,000 years ago and when the blood came from this hand it began to erase the fingerprints of the enemy from this all the way forward all the way forward and this hand the hand of Jesus Christ that's the one that matters that's the one we turn to that's the one we run to when the enemy's hand is evident in our lives can we stand And if I can get some prayer warriors. This is what I'm believing for this morning. I am believing for your complete and total deliverance from the fingerprints of the enemy at any point where they have touched your life, whether in rebellion or anger or bitterness or rejection, compromise, most especially in shame. And if you have felt separated from your father because you haven't been where you thought you were supposed to be, I want you to release that this morning. And I want you to do what the enemy would hate for you to do. I want you to run to him. I want you to run to your God, not away from him this morning. And I want the blood of Jesus to be applied to our lives so that the the reminders of the enemy's purposes and plans for us are permanently erased. So come. Let's do God, I look to you. Father, we release. Father God, let your Holy Spirit permeate this place. We look to you, God. We look to you, God. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Let freedom be released in this house, Father, from the past, from the present, Father God, from oppression. Father God, I just ask for release. Let freedom come,
1: Father. God, I look to you. God, I look to you. Holy Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come to this place and and fill the atmosphere. Your glory. What our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence.
0: offer you a blessing this morning. Father, I'm asking you today for a new awareness, a new awakeness a new keenness in the Spirit, Father, as we seek the Holy Spirit, Father, in the days and weeks to come, Father. I thank you that you are also making us aware of other things going on in the Spirit. And so, Father, I pray for a spirit of discernment to rest on these, Father God, so that they can know what is good and what is evil. Father, that they may be able to sift through their situations and circumstances and rightly judge, Father. I bless you and I thank you for a new day in you, Father. Wide awake in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.